It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to the Progressive Britain podcast. This is the podcast with the unpopular opinion that progressive centre-left politics has a lot to offer the modern world still. I'm Stephanie Lloyd, Deputy Director of Progress and your host today. And we're joined by Labour MP Alison McGovern and Chair of Progress uh, to talk through the latest news from Westminster and try and understand what on earth is actually going on with the chaos that is Brexit. Later on in the show, we've also got an interview with Rachel Reeves MP, where she gives us her expert analysis on the economic impact of Brexit. So with everything moving so quickly, I'm sure this podcast will almost certainly be out of date as soon as we stop recording it. But let's take a minute to catch up on where we are now. So the meaningful vote that was meant to be held on Tuesday has officially been called off. The reason for this appears to be that Theresa May can go back to Brussels and try and renegotiate the deal and win the support of the House of Commons in light of almost the certain defeat that she was facing. But we're already hearing from Brussels that there won't be any budge on any aspects of the withdrawal agreement but maybe there'll be something on the future arrangements. So, Alison, you've just been sat in the House of Commons listening to Theresa May's statement. What on earth is going on? Well, basically, she is trying to hold off to see if she can get the votes in the bag. But she has quite a tall order. Let's just take one step back. Mm -hmm. We've basically known because of public declarations of how people were going to vote. We've known for some time that basically she was going to not win. Yeah. So... Number 10 always had two options there. If you know you're going to lose a vote, then you can either say, well, the fact that we're losing the vote is in the price. The more important thing is how we come out of losing that vote. And therefore, we'll try and shape it, try and lose it by as few as possible, and then try and have a sellable plan to uh, kick on after that. And clearly what they've decided was either the number was too big, so they need more time, because if... The number that they lost it by was was significant. You know, we're not talking 10 or 20 here, but a significant number. Then, you know, that's really, that really is confidence territory um, for the prime minister. Although, you know, we could do a whole podcast just on the fixed term parliament act and why that's changed the sort of level of lack of support you need for confidence measures these days. But anyway, so they'd obviously decided that the number was too big. So they couldn't kind of lose the vote symbolically and then put something else on the table. So what they've done is basically pulled the vote. But as as I'm sat here now, and when people will listen to this tomorrow, we will know what the answer to this question is. The big answer to this question is, will the government actually be able to 
pull this vote because um, I've just stepped out of the House of Commons to chamber to make this uh, podcast very briefly. I'll be going back in shortly to listen to Andrea Leadsom to moving the business statement. And we don't really know whether the government are going to just allow the debate to fall because they have to move the vote themselves. So whether they're just going to procedurally allow the debate just to kind of like essentially get talked out into the ether and there be no vote or whether they're going to move a procedural statement which could be voted against. So as I'm sat here now, this question is still in play. By the time people listen to this podcast, we will know from a technical point of view what's going to happen with votes this week. But this is what we don't know. Whatever happens from a technical point of view with the votes, does the Prime Minister have a plan to get Brexit, her Brexit, agreed by the House of Commons? I cannot see that she does. Absolutely not. So what what are we going to do then? Well, this was it because I mean, it, on your point then around whether there's whether they have to basically have a vote to not have the vote was very much what Speaker Burke was saying, wasn't he? He was like, "That's just not." That's like, right. You can't so, just decide not to have one once so it started. The debate has the debate. The debate started last week. It's five days of debate, then a vote. Hmm. That's the business of the House as it stands right now. It is. I mean, he, you, in, in normal John Burko type language, you know, said it was like discourteous uh, in the extreme for the government to act in this way. And, you know, for reasons that, that we'd all understand, which is basically like once you've asked the House of Commons to do a thing, to kind of stop halfway through the middle because you're not going to get the answer that you want, it's not very honourable, is it? And we're all supposed to be terribly honourable. So as I say, the question is, will we be able to have a vote anyway? Will will MPs vote for having a vote despite all of that? And we might know more about that tomorrow morning, in which case, no doubt, like there'll be whole Twitter threads to explain to people what on earth has gone on. Or will the government have succeeded in pulling the vote, in which case we're still in the situation of what is number 10 going to do? Because their options are to try to persuade the ERG back into the fold and having spent, you know, a couple of weeks on Treasury Select Committee with Steve Baker of the ERG, the European Research Group, the hardline anti-Brexiteers. You know, these are not people who are it in seems, the mood for compromise. Yeah, it seems highly unlikely at this point that they're going to be able to bring those people back in. Or they could reach out to Keir and Jeremy Corbyn and say, what could we do to get Labour votes? But it's very late in the day for some sort of cross-party consensus. Um, or they could, you know, say, well, we'll have to give this deal to the public for the final say, which is obviously the option that we're supporting. But I would say that one of the reasons why we're supporting it is because it's one of the only options left. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, it's not because I have a great enthusiasm for voting and that sort of thing, though no. I do love democracy, but it's more just like the hung parliament mm. creates a constitutional problem for us. And there are a limited number of ways out of that. One is a general election. Another is a final say referendum for the public. One of the biggest reasons that Theresa May gave in terms of pausing the vote now was issues that she'd listened to the House and issues with the Irish backstop. And so she wants to have time to go back to Brussels to try and talk this through. Which, and those are the, those are the European research group's problems. Yeah. I mean, that, this is an internal Conservative Party dance that we are watching. So is there any way that you can see her being able to bring anything back from Europe that will be able to change people's minds, considering that a week ago it was, this is the deal or there's no deal. So when um, the EU was trying to get CETA through, 
as far as I understand it, and I am not an expert in the technicalities of this, the um, there was a problem um, with the Wallonian Parliament, the Flemish Parliament, and they what they did was um, added an ex, ex, explanatory note. So they didn't change the deal that was on the table, but they clarified one or two points through like adding a bit of text. So I think it is possible that they could get some warm words of statement, but if it's really the withdrawal agreement that people are bothered about and the idea that the backstop will become the sort of permanent state of being, you can't really change that. But, you know, that basically comes out of the fact that the Good Friday Agreement means that people in Northern Ireland have the status of that border protected and the European Union respects that agreement. It's not from a position of, you know, being hardline. It's a practical reality question. And I think that's where Theresa May herself understands that very well. But the Tory hardliners do not consider it to be a priority. So if she can't come back, right, let's try and work let's try and work some of this out. So if she can't come back with anything that's going to significantly shift people in the houses intentions on the vote and how they'll vote and it looks like whatever happens it's going to get voted down in her current her vision of brexit and what that looks like what then happens then can you see labor putting down a vote of no confidence i think we will definitely be under pressure to put down a motion of no confidence i think everybody wants a general election because the government is a shambles so why would we not do that also if we don't then other parties will because the smp the liberals uh, Caroline Lucas and others um, will see the advantage in trying to move a motion of no confidence. And I think it would be weird if the major opposition party wasn't the one to do it. Um, and, you know, it's hard to see the route through to a general election simply because of the combination of the fact that Tories who would vote against the Brexit deal wouldn't vote in favour of a no confidence motion because of the consequences. And in any case, the barriers put around um, general elections by the Fixed Term Parliament Act are nonetheless substantial. So it's not necessarily straightforward, but I think we have to put all the pressure on we possibly can. And then... Does it know, feel, I was just going to say, does it feel slightly more likely then if you're going to get Tories that will vote down her deal, but won't necessarily vote for the opportunity to put Jeremy into number 10 in terms of calling a general election and, and the possibility of Labour winning... Could you see a situation then where actually the 40, they finally manage to count to 48, the 48 letters go and actually what they do is go, right, what we what we know is that Theresa May, Theresa May will at no point move. So let's just get rid of her. I don't know because I, I don't think anybody knows actually how many letters that there are. Yeah. I can see a situation where the um, ERG start mobilising again. The problem is they need a candidate and Boris Johnson has had his hair cut. He has had his hair cut. So, he was on Mar looking So does that, dashing, does that the mean word. that he thinks it's now his moment? Who knows? Perhaps I'm over-interpreting haircuts. Um, or will they try to say, well, us having a change of prime minister would be a victory in any case. So they go for a Sajid Javid or a Jeremy Hunt. But it has to be said that those are people who are backing Theresa May's deal. Mm. So with all this uncertainty, everything moving so quickly, what is it that people who care really deeply about this or really, you know, want to be involved in this, what is it that they can do? So the one thing that people might not be aware of, 
because they only see the, their own email that they send to their own member of parliament is the absolute flood of emails that all members of parliament have had on this issue over the past couple of weeks in the past week especially and Bridget Phillipson actually looked at all of the emails that she's had and categorized them into what people were saying and actually interestingly the biggest group of people was people wanting another vote and a final say and that's really significant considering she's the MP up in she's up in the northeast she was from a very very leave constituency don't talk about it like it's far away Steph it is far away from where we physically are right now (laughs) but she said people say Sunderland is a leave city but look at this Mm. and that and that was it was impressive to see those numbers and so Actually, people just writing to their member of parliament is having a massive impact. And I think that people have got to keep doing that. I would really, really, really recommend whoever your member of parliament is, whatever you've agreed with them or disagreed with them on the past, send them an email. If you can, it will be a bit difficult. Surgeries will be really full at the moment. But if you can even pop in and see them or if you know that they're doing a street stall or especially if you're a labour activist, you know, go campaigning with your member of parliament and like talk to them, chat to them and find out where they're coming from and listen to what they've got to say. So I think getting getting engaged is really, really important. And people can join up with organisations, whether it's like Hope Not Hate, who've been doing some absolutely brilliant work on um, the issues behind the Brexit vote, or whether it's all of the other kind of campaigning organisations, people who are standing up for EU nationals and others I would say now really is the time to get involved and make your voice heard. Absolutely. And obviously one of my favourite things is everybody's like, everyone's like, I'm really in the know. I really know what's going on. And it's like, no, you don't. You've just got Laura Coonsberg's tweets on, tweet (laughs) notification like everybody else does. It's like like transfer deadline day and all the (laughs) ITK people in the know. (laughs) But one of the things that people can do is the campaign Labour Say, which obviously, you know, we've been really heavily involved in has just launched a WhatsApp list that people can sign up to. So you can get kind of like what's going on other than just Laura Koonsberg's tweets. Like, you know, you can get what's going on, but also there's going to be some really good shareable content. I know that people like yourselves will be putting some stuff in there as well to give people and a bit of an inside track on what's Steph, happening. how do people sign up for that Labour Say WhatsApp easy. group? You just go to laborsay.eu forward slash WhatsApp uh, and we'll put the link in the notes for the podcast episode Let's as say well. that again, laboursay.eu forward slash WhatsApp. Yep. That's why they call me One Tate McGovern. That is why they do it. It's why they get you on all the TV shows. And uh, yeah, so you can just sign up there. Um, there's a really easy link and it just signs you straight up to the broadcast list and that will give you over the kind of, you know, next couple of weeks in terms of what on earth is going to go on, it'll give some really good up-to-date info and some really good stuff from some of the politicians and stuff in here okay. as well. So point number one, email your MP. Yep. Point number two, sign up for Labour's Day WhatsApp. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There so, you go. That's there we what go. you should do. Well, what a week we have ahead of us. We're going to take a short break now uh, and then when we come back, we'll hear from Rachel Reeves on the economics of Brexit. Talking to me. Talking to you. Yep. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So, yeah, it's Alison McGovern here, the chair of Progress, and I am here with a good friend and colleague of mine, also a chair, Rachel Reeves MP. Hello, Ali. Hello, nice you, you. you are the chair of the Business Select Committee in the I House am, of Commons. Yes. So as a result of that role, no doubt you have been spending a lot of time recently thinking about Brexit and the consequences of it. So could you just, by way of introduction, say what you think, what do you think are the things that the Business Select Committee is really focused on? Well, over the last couple of weeks, we've taken evidence from a, a number of businesses in different parts of our economy. So from the automotive sector, uh, aerospace, uh, food and drink and pharmaceuticals, some, some of the parts of the economy that will most be affected by our future relationship with the European Union. Uh, this is following on from an inquiry we did about a year ago, where we spoke to representatives from those industries about what they were looking for from um, um, a Brexit uh, agreement. And so we brought back those businesses in the last couple of weeks to ask them where they think we are and now. Are, and and are, they, are they fans of the Prime Minister's proposal? Do they think it's uh, so answered all their concerns and worries? Pretty much every business that we've spoken to, and this is Diageo, Nestle, Toyota, Johnson & Johnson, uh, Airbus, they're all of the view. And actually we were in Northern Ireland last week where we were also talking to big and small businesses there. They're all of the view that what the Prime Minister has agreed is not as good as the relationship we currently have with the European Union, but they are all desperate for two things. First of all, to end the uncertainty that they've been living with for the last two and a half years, that we've all been living with, but that they've had to grapple with in terms of their business decisions and also to avoid a no deal. So those are the paramount concerns of businesses. And actually what Toyota said today was that they see it as a step-by-step -step pro process and they they will support the Prime Minister's deal because it takes them a step in the right direction. But no one's willing to stand up and say, let's vote for this because this is such a great deal and better than what we've got today. Nobody thinks that. So in terms of the Labour Party's position, and we've said we're going to vote against what is being suggested, 
where do you think that sits in terms of the conversations that you've been having with business? What do they think about that? I don't think many of them are focused on what the Labour Party position is, to be frank. They're focused on the deal that the Prime Minister has negotiated and has put on the on the table. I think that if you could turn back the clock, they would all like to go back to before the referendum and to, uh, and, and, and to campaign harder to have uh, got a Remain vote. But... You know, they feel we are where we are now and we need to move on. Actually, the Society of Motor Manufacturers and Traders said today that um, about 12.5% of businesses have made production decisions in favour of producing in other countries rather than in the UK just over the last year or so. So even though politically Brexit hasn't happened, actually economically... Brexit kind of has happened. Yes, and you'll know this from you know the evidence from the Bank of England and, and and financial services companies. Big businesses who are able to do so have made decisions over the last couple of years to move production, to move some parts of the business to the European Union, to other European Union countries, because they're worried about what happens with or without a deal. So if you're a financial services firm and we're not going to benefit from the passporting agreements, you'll need to make sure you've got some presence that's in the, another European The passporting country. agreements, that's the rights that uh, banks have to trade in the EU. Yes, to yeah. trade in any country. If they're registered in uh, in one country in the EU, they have the right to do business in, in any country. And similarly, for car manufacturers, they need to, and Toyota said today, they're already doing their vehicle approvals in Belgium rather than in the in the UK because you have to get your um, your vehicles approved in an EU member state to be able to sell across the European Union and because the UK is, might not be in the European Union in just three and a half months time they've already moved their vehicle certification overseas so you know well, we can see that can't we because before the fun, before our vote to leave the European Union, we were one of the fastest growing countries in the G7, and now we're one of the slowest uh, growing countries in the G7. So we have seen over the last two and a half years, our economy has grown less strongly than it is likely to have done if we had remained in the European Union. So sure, we haven't had a recession, but what we have had is lost investment, lost opportunity and lost growth because of that decision to come out of the EU. So for a moment, take your... Uh, select committee chair hat off and put your progressive politician hat on you know we've got a big argument coming up as I see it you know whether or not we end up with a vote of the public on this I think we've got a big argument coming up as to what a better path is for our country what do you think in terms of people's working lives what do you think the component parts of that are well, I think the the most important thing, well, I'd say two things. You know, actually, the some of this stuff is not about whether we're in the European Union or not. We need a massive rebalancing of our economy between uh, north and south to give opportunities to people in, in your constituency, in Merseyside and, and mine in West Yorkshire. Uh, I don't know about your constituency, Ali, but my my constituents voted to, to leave the EU in part because they feel that they haven't been the beneficiaries of the of the growth and opportunities that our country has experienced in the last decade. So we need to, to, to deal with some of the underlying 
causes of economic inequality in our in our country for example by investing in in education skills and infrastructure across the whole country uh, to, to level the playing field a bit but in in terms of the sort of existential issue about whether we are in the European Union or, or, or not the, the truth is unless we are in the single market and, and the customs union and also shaping those two institutions then our economy will grow um, less quickly we'll create fewer jobs and we will bring less investment to to our country and we know both from the government's uh, analysis and from our own experience and economic history that the people who pay the highest price when economies are weaker are people who can least afford to pay that price so uh, people who are already struggling on low wages and and and, and in low skill jobs are always the people who suffer most when the economy struggles and that is, is my worry. We come out of the European deal, European Union, either on the Prime Minister's uh, uh, deal, which in my view is unsatisfactory, or without a deal, uh, and our economy either goes into recession or more likely just grows at a slower rate than it should have done and creates fewer opportunities, particularly for young people. So, so we have this long, slow decline, basically. kind of We've already had one, essentially a lost decade on pay, on growth. On productivity, absolutely. And and we end up having at least another lost decade. Yes, and the government's analysis of the of the Prime Minister's Brexit deal shows that. Shows that uh, whether it is uh, a free trade agreement, the, uh, the July white paper, so the checkers deal, or a no deal, the economy is, is, is weaker, um, not just for the next couple of years, but for the next 15 years because of that decision. Uh, so I, I just can't vote for something that I know is going to have that sort of impact on our country. And it, just to finish there, Rachel, if you would say that there was one surprising thing or one thing that has come out of your select committee sessions on Brexit that you think is an impact on people that they might not have realised when the referendum back in 2016 was happening, is there one thing that you would say this is the thing that brings it home to me, how much we never really understood what was going on in 2016 when the vote happened. Well, one of the um, the people who we took evidence from last week said, we asked a question about, do they want to have future trade agreements with other countries? What countries would they prioritise in future trade agreements? And this man who represents the, the food and drink uh, sector, so actually the biggest manufacturing sector in our economy, said the trade agreement we need is with the European Union, first, second, third and fourth. Because the truth is our closest trading partners are our closest neighbours, the people who we do 50% of our trade with today. Uh, and the priority is having a close relationship, free and frictionless trade, which the government is now not even able to promise in the political declaration our, our most important trading relationship and security relationship and everything else is with our closest neighbours in the European Union. That should be our priority. There you have it uh, from Rachel Reeves, chair of the Business Select Committee. Each week we ask our political pub quiz question uh, and this week the question is when was the last time that someone was sent to the Tower of London for contempt of Parliament. So we had the comedy value last week of Geoffrey Cox being found in contempt. But when was the last time they were sent to the Tower um, for actually being in contempt of Parliament? Send your answers to office at progressonline.org.uk or tweet your answers at progressonline and or to at Connor Pope. Thanks. (laughs) 
You've been listening to the Progressive Britain podcast. The music was When in the West by Blue Dot Sessions, licensed under Creative Commons. And many thanks to the brilliant Caroline Crampton who produced this podcast. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.